We're continuing to discuss the halachas of Muktza, and in the first two Mishnahs of the Perek, we were introduced to the concept of a klish malachdei leheter, a utensil whose main purpose is to do something which is allowed on Shabbos, and also to a klish malachdei leiser, a utensil whose main purpose is to do something which is forbidden on Shabbos. And the previous Mishnah gave lots of examples of how you can use a klish malachdei leiser for a permitted purpose. The term used is letzerich gufei, for the person's need, you are allowed to use a klishim lachta le'isser, of course, as long as the activity you're doing is permitted. Now, there are certain things which don't fall into the category of a klishim lachta le'isser, or a klishim lachta le'heter. The reason being that they are not considered a kli, a utensil, at all. For example, a stone or money. These things are not considered utensils at all, and therefore one is not allowed to move them for any purpose, be it le'tzerich gufei, for the person's own need, or le'tzerich mekaymei, if you need the place, you need the space where that item is sitting, you can never move it because it's not considered a utensil at all. Now another area of halacha where a kli is relevant are the laws of Tumah and Tahara, impurity and purity, because the halacha is that other than people and food, something can only become tome if it is considered to be a kli. Now the Mishnah is going to show that the definition of what is considered a kli is different for Tumah and Shabbos. When it comes to Tumah, it's usually dependent on whether it can hold things. So, for example, a flat piece of wood cannot become Tumah, but a cup can, because the cup can hold things. So when it comes to Tumah, for something to be considered a Kli, it usually has to hold something. On the other hand, for something to be considered a Kli with regards to the laws of Shabbos and Mukta, the main thing to take into account is whether it has a use or not whether there is any use on Shabbos which you could use it for. So the Mishnah begins, Konishal Zesim, a long reed used for olives. In the process of producing oil from olives, the first thing they would do is usually they would put lots of olives in a large vat, a very large sort of big container, where the olives would rest and sit there for a while, they would warm up a bit, and they would get much softer than they were at the beginning. And to check whether they were ready to be pressed properly into oil, one would use a reed to get some oil on the end of the reed. He would stick the reed into the vat, and some oil would go onto the end of the reed, this long stick, and he could examine the oil, and from that he could know whether it was ready to be pressed to get much more oil out of the olives. Now usually, so that there would be oil which would be left on the end of the reed, a reed by itself is hollow, so oil wouldn't really stay there. So they would usually tie a knot at the end of the reed, so the oil would stick to the knot, it would remain there, and he could examine the oil on the knot. So the Mishnah says, If there is a knot at the tip of the reed, then although it can't technically hold many things, since the entire purpose of the knot is in order that the oil stick to it, it's sort of holding the oil, and therefore makabal tumah, it can become tomei, which means that if a source of tumah, for example a dead body, comes into contact with this long reed, it will become tomei. However, if not... If it doesn't have this knot at the end, and it doesn't have anything at the end to hold the oil, to make sure the oil stays there, well, the reed by itself is hollow. It certainly doesn't hold things, and therefore, in Makabal Tumah, it cannot become Tomei. But the Mishnah says, nevertheless, Benkach or Venkach. In either case, whether it does have a knot or not, 
Mitzvah B'Shabbos, it can be taken and moved on Shabbos. The point is, even if it doesn't have a knot, so it's not considered to be a clear when it comes to the halachas of Tumah, that's only because it can't hold things, but it's still useful, and therefore with regards to the laws of Mukta, it is considered to be a clear, and so you can move it. Now, what is this considered to be? A Kli Heter or a Kli Iser? The answer is, the main purpose of this is to take oil out of olives. And that is forbidden on Shabbos. You're separating the oil from the olives, and therefore this is considered to be a klishemalachte leiser. However, as we learned in the previous Mishnah, one is allowed to use this at tzorech gufei or at tzorech mekaymei. Mishnah Dalit. The first half of this Mishnah focuses on a particular type of muktza known as muktza machmas chesoron kis, which refers to something which is very valuable, and therefore people don't like to use for anything other than its specific designated use. And the mission will bring a couple of examples, but something like that cannot even be moved for a permissible use, since this person never likes using it other than for its regular use. So if that regular use is a forbidden use, if it's a klishem lachtele iser, then you cannot use it for a permitted use, since the person's intention before Shabbos was not to use it for any other use than its regular use. So Rabbi Yasi says, All utensils can be taken and moved, as we saw, even a klishim lachtele iser can be moved, and it can be used for a permitted use on Shabbos. Chutz, except for a masar agodol, a very large saw used to cut uh, wood and thick beams, and this was very valuable, so people would not use this for any other use. And the part of the plowing tool, which cuts into the ground and digs into the ground, these two things were valuable, and therefore they are considered muksamachmas chesor and kiss, and one could not move them on Shabbos at all. Alright, now we move on to a Klishmalachtel Heter, and it's very important to realize that there are still limitations on a Klishmalachtel Heter. Again, that refers to a utensil whose main function is something which is permitted on Shabbos, and the Mishnah says, All utensils referring to a Klishmalachtel Heter can be taken and they can be moved on Shabbos for a need and not for a need. And the way that this is explained is that whether he needs it for a permitted use for himself, or he needs the space where they are, or whether, even if it's not or he is still allowed to move it. However, there still has to be some reason for why he's moving it. For example, if it's going to get ruined where it is right now, then he can move it away. For example, he can move it from the sun to the shade. However, if there is no reason at all for why he is moving it, then it is forbidden, and this is even la halacha. Many people don't realize this, but one is not allowed to move anything. Well, the truth is, the exception is food or sforim. But other than that, you cannot, for example, move a chair for no reason at all. On Shabbos, one needs to be totally conscious of everything he does, because we see here, even a klish malachtele heter, one is not allowed to move for no reason at all. Now, Rabbi Nechemia is even more strict, we don't pass him like Rabbi Nechemia, but he is more strict. Rabbi Nechemia Omer, Rabbi Nechemia says, in Any utensil on Shabbos can only be used for its regular purpose. So when it comes to Klishim Lachdala Heter, that's a stringency in that you can only use things for very specific things. And when it comes to Klishim Lachdala Iser, this means that according to Rabbi Nechemia, one is not allowed to use a Klishim Lachdala Iser for a permitted use. Because you can never use something on Shabbos for a use which is different to its regular use. So if its regular use is a forbidden use, then you will not be able to move that thing on Shabbos at all, unless of course you need that space, in which case you can move it because you need the space. 
All utensils which are allowed to be used and taken on Shabbos. They're broken pieces. Meaning if it broke, then they can also be taken with them or by themselves, whatever the case may be. If, for example, you have a bowl which broke. Whether the bowl broke before Shabbos or on Shabbos, one can still use those. They are not considered muktzah, the broken pieces. As long as they can still do some sort of work, as long as they're still useful for something, then they remain considered a kli, and they are not muktzah. For example, shivri are broken pieces of a mixing bowl, which was used for dough. If you can still use a broken piece of that, to cover the mouth of a barrel, to use it as a lid of a barrel, so it's still considered to be a kli, and therefore it is not muktzah. Or shiri a broken part of a glass container, a glass jug or something. If you can still use it, to cover with it the opening of a jug, you can still use it as a covering, and it's still considered a kli, and therefore not muktzah. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, and Rabbi Yehuda is only arguing on a case where the kli broke on Shabbos itself. Now, one of the forms of muktzah, quite a severe form of muktzah, is known as noilod. Noilod refers to something which either didn't exist before Shabbos came in, or that it didn't exist in this state when Shabbos came in. It had a totally different use and purpose when Shabbos came in. Something like that is muktzah and cannot be moved. Now, according to Yehuda, if at the time that Shabbos came in, you had a mixing bowl which was whole, and the purpose of that was to hold dough, for example, if it then breaks on Shabbos, it's all very nice that you can use this piece of broken mixing bowl to cover a barrel, but that is a totally different use and a totally different purpose to what the mixing bowl was used for when it was whole at the time that Shabbos came in. And therefore, according to Yehuda, that is considered to be Neilod, and it would be Muktzah. Meaning Rabbi Huda saying, it could be that it's still considered a kli, because it has a use, but that doesn't help us because the use is different to its original use, and therefore it's considered noilod, and therefore cannot be moved. Rather, says Rabbi Huda, if it gets broken on Shabbos itself, only if it can still do something similar to its original use, only then is it not considered noilod and can be moved. For example, going back to the two previous examples of the Mishnah, Shivya Reva, broken pieces of a mixing bowl, you can only still use those to pour into it some sort of very thick soup, possibly a type of porridge, so that is a similar use to what it was used for originally, to hold dough. Now it is holding a different type of food, and broken pieces of a glass cup or a glass jug or something like that, you can still use it to pour some oil into it, but if it can't be used to hold anything like that, rather it can only be used for a totally different and new use, then it is considered noilod and cannot be moved. Mishnah hey, the case under discussion in this Mishnah is somebody who had a gourd, which is a certain type of vegetable, and he hollowed out the gourd, and now uses it as a sort of bucket to get water from a well, or from a pit of water. Now the problem is, the gourd is quite light, and as soon as it touches the surface of the water, Either it will float and it won't actually go down and collect water, or it could turn over and spill all of, the, all of the water out. So to solve this, they would usually put a stone or something else heavy in the gourd so that it wouldn't turn over, and also so that it would go down into the water. Now the problem is, a stone is not considered to be a utensil at all, in general at least, and therefore its muktzah cannot be moved at all. As well as that, if something muktzah is contained and being held by something else, 
then the thing holding it becomes a bosis ledavar ha'asur, which means it's a base, something which is holding something mukta, and it too becomes mukta. So there's a chance that if there's a stone in this gourd, then even the gourd becomes mukta, and you would not be able to use this to fill water on Shabbos. On the other hand, you could argue the exact opposite, that really the stone is secondary to the gourd, and it's just serving the gourd and making sure it's heavy enough, and therefore just like the gourd is not mukta, the stone also becomes not mukta. So says the Mishnah, a stone which is in this gourd, which you've hollowed out, if you fill up water with this thing, and the stone does not fall out, that means that the stone is literally a part of the gourd, and indeed it is secondary to the gourd, and therefore you are allowed to fill up water like this on Shabbos, since the stone is no longer mukta because it is part of the kli. It's part of the utensil, vim lav. But if not, meaning if the stone does not stay there, rather the stone does fall out, that means that the stone is not really considered part of the utensil. It's separate. Ah, if it's not considered part of the utensil, that means it's mukta, which means that the gourd becomes a bosses of davar ha'asr, and it's also mukta. And because of that, a mamalimba, you cannot fill up water with that on Shabbos. Alright, and the last law of the Mishnah is quite similar, zemoyoshi kishur b'tafiach. A branch of a tree which is tied to a regular bucket which is used for drawing water from a well. So although in general the branch would be mukta, since over here it is attached to the bucket, it does become like part of the bucket and therefore Malam Baba Shabbos, you can fill up water with that bucket attached to the branch on Shabbos, since the mukta item becomes part of the kli, and therefore none of it is mukta now, and you can indeed use it on Shabbos.